Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Tech stocks have been, well, hammered in recent weeks and months, both here and on Wall Street. They've bounced around a bit, but generally the trend has been down. I wanted to get an idea of what's ahead for investors and how some of our biggest tech companies are faring. Remember, this is general information only, and you should speak to a professional advisor before making any investment decision. Elise Kennedy is the Vice President of Equity Research at Jarden and something of a tech specialist. I nearly called you a tech head, Elise, but then I pulled back and thought I'd better not say that. (laughs) Thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me on the show again, Sean. It's great to be here. So kind of the elevator pitch, why have tech stocks been so volatile slash poor recently? Yeah, there's, there's multiple factors, but it really stems down to an environment where we're seeing rising yields and inflation, which tends to put pressure again further on, on rate rises. And the key thing is the way that we value those tech stocks is around a DCF analysis as one point in case. And these guys aren't making money. So a lot of that valuation stems and has sensitivity to what those rates are doing. And there's also, you know, a preference towards moving towards those that are generating cash today. Is the economy going to be fiscally challenged in the later years if we do fall into recession? So in those times, people tend to flock towards your safer names that have probably more, more cash on the balance sheet as well as those that, you know, are generating a lot of free cash flow versus the tech guys that have quite a way of spending it. Yes. Okay. So I'm so I think I'm probably reiterating what you just said. So it's basically companies that make money. So the tech stock does, is being discounted because of higher yields, but companies that make money look better. What about those that are more diversified? So not just in one area, but you know, I mean, I'm thinking of some of the Wall Street guys, the the cloud computing guys have done reasonably well, for example. Well, relatively well. Yeah, you still see on a relative basis versus, say, an industrial or something that's paying a dividend, they tend to still underperform the the main type of index there. But in the tech universe as a whole, yeah, we've tended to see some of those that perhaps are already free cash flow positive and or larger names tend to lean towards that way or have cash on the balance sheet. So, for example, a a wise tech that's got a net cash position, it's spinning off free cash flow. If you look at their performance uh, versus, say, some of the other tech names like Zero or an Elmo, they just have done a much better job despite being down. It still, though, has, has held up a bit better. And some of those names you speak to have probably got some of the dynamics at play as well. Okay, you mentioned zero, but zero makes money, doesn't it? Well, they made $2 million down from over $10 million uh, free cash flow. So you define whether or not that's making significant yeah. money on a top line. It's you know nearly a billion. So they spend a lot as well as making a lot of revenue, but it's really about the profit and, and, and where are those dollars going. And I think in this environment, it's a matter of is that $2 million that you delivered in free cash flow, when is that going to be $50 mil? When is that going to be $100 yeah. When are we actually going to see that is what investors are asking in this time of environment. So, and let's use Zero as the example, but it's only an example. The bosses of Zero, Steve Vamos is the CEO, and I think last time he spoke, he came out and said, look, yep, we're not actually, we don't have a lot of money to give back to shareholders here, but we are investing for the future. And that's what it's about. And so, pain now for gain in the future. Does that wash well, that sort of commentary when things are so downtrodden? <laughs> it should be what 
you know, from a strategic standpoint, if you have such a large addressable TAM, I've always mentioned a $74 billion TAM with adoption of, you know, accounting software less than 20%, you should be investing. But funnily enough, in this environment, though, a lot of companies and even some of their competitors like Intuit reported the other day, and, you know, they're doing a buyback opposite to what, say, Zero is doing. I think, you know, it's hard to do that in this this state of mind and it's kind of the trust me I'm going to put this money to work and we're going to reap the rewards later but investors are sometimes suffer from a bit of short-termism perhaps that's what's at play or they've been you know losing money that's the way that you put it or investing money is the way that I see it uh, for a period of time that I think investors want to start to really see that free cash flow or at least some proof points that give them confidence on their trajectory of their future earnings. Stay with me, Elise. We'll be back in a minute. My guest today is Elise Kennedy, Vice President of Equity Research at Jarden. Okay, another thing about tech stocks, which I I sometimes kind of wonder where the line is, you've got Seek, which is all about the recruitment market. You've got REA, which is all about property. Zero, which is cloud accounting software. They're all tech companies, but they're in very, very different sectors but they all seem to get tarred with the tech brush. And maybe that's being a bit nasty on uh, the tech companies there. But when tech stocks are being sold off, they're all sold off. It doesn't matter what sectors they're in. Yeah, that's what I think is a really good opportunity. And we saw this back in 2000. Um, I've done a lot of work around looking at, you know, what happened back in 94 to 2000 in that tech bubble period of time. And then again, when we also had a rate hike environment, 2004 to 2007, most of the stocks there were, were in the US. And you started to have actually still a massive amount of players that were still, you know, like, coming to market today, so a square, it would have been like 20 cents back there or or something like that. And that got slammed at the time in terms of the share price. It wasn't listed, but it was, again, in the private markets. That's just one of several examples where it creates opportunities for investors. And that's where I always say, do your due diligence now. For so many years, the last two years, those tech valuations kept on going higher and higher. And everyone said, hey, they're too expensive. But you know, some jumped on the momentum trade. Now we don't have to jump on the momentum trade. We can step back, breathe easy for a moment and look at, hey, which of these companies do I want to own? Some aren't going to be as profitable longer term as the others, but there are stocks like Zero. I still think, has a long trajectory, has a lot of the unit economics. Those are the names that, yeah, we should and will likely survive. Okay. So, I mean, part of that point there is that it's a long-term investing framework. What about when you think of REA or Domain Holdings Group is another one, how much of the sector do you put towards the company, the technology company? And in that instance, the property sector is is coming off somewhat. So how do you think about those sorts of companies? I think there's an element of them being tech, but I think really what's at play with their share prices is around the economy and the cycle and where we're at in that. And the same goes for a car sales, the same goes for a seek, which is actually a beneficiary. But again, at the same time, there's a lot of challenges in the mobility and getting and attracting and retaining employees with that environment. So yeah, I would say a smaller element, but more at play is around the cycle. Okay. Now I have to ask you about Appen and what happened last week to Appen Group. It was it had a takeover bid, $1.2 billion from a Canadian group. Probably 12 hours later, they pulled the bid. It seems, reading between the lines, they certainly didn't say this, that maybe they got spooked because it 
was leaked to the media. Is that, I mean, if I'm a shareholder, I think Apple's share price went up 29%, then it dropped 23%. If I was sort of buying at those top levels, I wouldn't be real happy. How often does that happen? Well, what is a part within that is around the trading update. So there was a bid and Telus, for context as well, owns one of the key competitors in that space, um, acquired them several years ago. And the market disclosure is such that you have to update if you have known that you're probably not going to meet the guidance or where the consensus is. And so in conjunction with providing the news of the bid was a trading update that versus consensus icon numbers look to be down 20% on what they said that they're going to deliver in their upcoming um, fiscal year. And so I think the stock, if it didn't have a bid, would have been materially impacted on the downside. So right now, if you think about the fall and the rise, how much of that is actually just normalizing what that impact is versus these guys. But specifically with walking away, I think it might be opportunistic. You know, if a stock falls that much and you see their trading update, perhaps you could come back at it at a cheaper price. Yeah. Uh, whether or not that's like Elon Musk-esque. <laughs> Yes, it is an interesting Elon Musk. I've heard a few interesting conspiracy stories as to whether or not he will actually um, come yeah. in or it was a smart way to go and sell his stock without any investors punishing him for it. I don't know if you've heard that one. Oh, no, I haven't heard that. But but, but it, is, it is kind of a strategy really for the potential acquirer when they get more information and they think, mm, actually, I don't want to pay quite as much as I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's just you think about you going anywhere and you go to a car dealer and you see that actually it hasn't got everything that I thought it was. Am I going to continue to give the exact same offer? Probably not. I might even walk away. I might come back and look if I look around. So I try and contextualise it's definitely a lot bigger than just buying a car. It's just a, a thing that, you know, if there is that trading update on the flip side, if it's on the upside, you could have seen it go the other way. Yeah, okay. So the big question for everyone who invests is when do we start thinking about investing in tech again? Is there some sort of sign that you're looking for to think that the the tech stocks have bottomed, notwithstanding they're very, very volatile, so you do have days where they jump? Yeah, it's a great question and probably my most asked question in this environment. What I do think is that it's probably going to still remain challenging over the next six months. And why I say that is there's still a huge expectations in the market and volatility around where inflation will end up going. So I think we kind of got to get through some of those rate hikes and see how they settle. But there onwards, I think, you know, the way that the market is pricing in historical rapidness of rate hikes, but then next year a rate decline, I think that's signals that, you know, perhaps the environment's still fragile. And I think it is. And that's where, you know, you start to get the businesses that are generating normal cash flow. You're not just going to keep on rising your weighted average cost of capital and your risk-free rates within that on the back of yields to drive those share prices lower. You're going to think, oh, no, we've reached more of a steady state. Perhaps it's not going to be as high. So it will come a time. And again, it's just picking those quality companies that have the capability to be able to weather the storm and don't necessarily have to come to market and raise capital at a diluted price that should pose well. Elise, thank you for talking to Fearing Green. Thanks for having me on the show, Sean. That was Elise Kennedy, Vice President of Equity Research at Jarden. This is a Fear and Greed daily interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Elmer. Enjoy your day. 